Welcome to Bible and Stuff, a podcast about the Bible. And stuff. I'm Glenn. And I'm Tanner. And guys, today we are talking about theological triage. Oh yeah, words and stuff. Words and stuff. <laughs> Amongst the Bible and stuff. Yeah. No, it's going to be good. I'm excited about this. It's it's a... Uh, I don't know how to describe what kind of podcast it's going to be. It's it's similar to when we were talking about the pendulum swing, I feel like. Maybe yeah. maybe a little bit more like scripture based, but yeah, so we always talk about wanting to do either something in the category of the Bible, theology or Christian history. And this one lands in the area of theology, obviously for calling it theological triage, but it's not so much about a particular theology as it is like you were saying when we talked about the pendulum effect really about how to approach different right. topics of, in theology. Yeah, it's going to be a fun talk. I'm excited about it. Before we hop into it, though, I wanted to share this because I just thought it was adorable. Oh, okay. So, you know, we have... Me. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, you know how we have these Bible and stuff stickers? We do. So I have one on my water bottle, and my son he's in this phase right now where he asks what everything is, what everything says, what everything does. Yeah. Uh, so he's holding my water bottle the other day and he goes, daddy, what is, what is this? And I said, well, that says Bible and stuff. <laughs> and so he's like on and off. He, he keeps asking about it and everything. So today in the car, he goes, I just hear him in the back seat going B I B L E. S-T-U-F-F, Daddy, Bible and Stuff, dot com. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where he picked up the dot com portion of it, but I lost it. It was hilarious. That's great. We should have him on the podcast to do our right spots. (laughs) It kind of reminded me, did you ever watch Homestar Runner growing up? Very little. I've heard you and Kyle quote it back to each other, and uh, most of it goes completely over my head. There's just this one there's this one episode where Homestar Runner is trying to promote homestarrunner.com <laughs> but he keeps getting it messed up like he calls it homestarrunner.net and all this stuff and Gotcha. Anyway, the way that Lincoln said it reminded me of the way that Homestar says it. bibleandstuff.com. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Okay. All well. right. Yeah, enough of that. Let's hop into this. Let's talk about theological triage, which are not necessarily big words, but Maybe confusing words? Sure. Especially when you put them together? Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, theology, I think we've talked about that enough on the show that we could probably piece together that. But the triage portion alongside it, yeah, I could see how that might be a little confusing. So maybe we should dissect that a little bit. Okay. Well, as best I can tell, this term was introduced by a guy named Al Moeller, who, uh, super sharp cat, he is president of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he wrote about it on his blog in July of 2005. Okay. And essentially, what he does is, obviously, like you said, we've, we kind of know what theology is, what we believe about God or things related to God. But then he adds to it this idea of triage, which is a medical term. So we were talking earlier, my wife is a labor and delivery nurse for her day job. She's my sugar mama. And uh, she uh, sometimes works in what they call triage, which for labor and delivery looks like people who are coming in who are either pregnant, but they're not to term yet. And so 
maybe they're trying to figure out if this person should be on bed rest or you know if there's anything going wrong so they're assessing that then there's other people that maybe they are to term and they feel like they're starting labor but they're still in the really early stages and it's not yet quite time to admit them and then you know there's also the people that's like oh yeah i i can see your baby's head like let's get you into a room like so kind of prioritizing what exactly it's this place to assess what state the patient is in so they can figure out what the priority is, what level of urgency they should give to that particular patient. Okay. So medically, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I've always known what triage is, but it's good, I think, with this term that we're breaking it down like that. Yeah. So now can you kind of help explain how theological triage works itself out? Yeah, so we're taking this idea of priority and what's more urgent and sorting things into those categories, and we're applying it to theology. And so, essentially, Moeller is saying that some theologies are of the utmost importance. You know, they are the most important, things we cannot get rid of, things we cannot disagree on and still call ourselves Christians. But there are also things that maybe aren't quite that important. Essentially, he's saying there's a difference between, you know, being shot in the chest and like having a paper cut on your finger. So some theology is a little less serious, although important, not any reason to freak out over disagreement. And then some is a lot more serious and a lot more urgent in terms of needing to be addressed when there's error. So I think I've heard this referred to as, or in some cases referred to as open-handed issues and closed-handed issues. Yeah, that's how I like to refer to it a lot of time. This actually adds a third level, which we'll get into, but I think that's an easy place to start is, what are the things that, like, yeah, dude, we got to agree on if we are Christians or if we're in a church together, like, what are things that this particular church or our particular church says, no, we, we really hold these tight Sure. versus the things where we're like, eh, we, give or take, you know, it's fine. The, you know, maybe the pastor has a particular belief. Maybe even the leadership team has a particular belief, but it's not a hill that they're willing to die on. No, that makes a lot of sense. So maybe we should actually kind of dive into what you're talking about there is why do we need it? Like, why is it important to be thinking through these things? Because you are starting to explain some of this, um, you know, for attending a church and there are just theological things that they're saying that just we do not agree with. It's probably not going to be the church for us if we agree so heavy handedly on it. Uh, but if it's, if it's something minor, you know, it, it's stuff we can deal with. Yeah. It's not totally rocking the truth of the Bible, I guess. Yeah. Well, I think that is one of the most important things about this idea of theological triage is that it promotes unity in the church. So it it gives us a way to think about when I disagree with the person sitting next to me in the pew or sitting next to me in community group, how should we treat this? Should we like really go at it? <laughs> you know, should we really throw all our guns down right here, right now over this issue? Or is it something that we can walk away and say, you know what? Agree to disagree. We're still friends. I don't see this the same way you do, but ultimately that's okay. Yeah. 
I'm trying to think through things that I have maybe experienced or or would line up with what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if we're talking about some of those like close handed issues, those are more like okay, church as a whole, these are things that we hold as as doctrine. We're not gonna we're not gonna budge on this. And then I think of okay, maybe within within a ministry there are thoughts or processes like how we go about doing something that mm-hmm. maybe people don't agree on. Um, and it could even be based scripturally, but it's from a verse that maybe doesn't carry as much weight as others. I guess that's kind of where I, I think that's where I see some of the breakdowns. It's like, okay, what's being preached from the stage. That's the stuff that's like, mm, yeah. you need to agree with this <laughs> yeah. versus if, if we're talking about like, maybe some of the songs that we sing at church or something like that, we could see some differences of opinion to an extent there. Yeah, so it does give you a really practical tool in the midst of your local church of figuring out what we have to agree on and what we don't. It also, I think, plays into like what church you go to, period, because there are churches that I would say, yeah, those guys love Jesus, and they're not in sin, but there are some things that I wouldn't do the way they do, and therefore I probably wouldn't attend that church if I had, uh, you know, some other options. You know, something that's maybe not super important to point out, but if you are someone who's out there actively searching for a church to attend, uh, we have this phrase that I think has become really popular probably in the last 10 years is like church shopping, yeah. It's annoying me now that I hear it so much, but I think it is important to know if you are church shopping or looking for a church, this is something you need to think about up front. What are what are those core beliefs that you're not going to let go? And before you go attending a church like that, like look up on their website and see, you know, what you hold as truth because you don't want to be attending for like 4 months, make all this great community and then be like, "Whoa, wait a minute." Yeah. Well, it, it's funny that you mentioned it. Like, that terminology kind of annoys me, too, maybe for a different reason, because it, it's a very privileged place of being if if you yeah, have, if you're surrounded by so many churches that you can shop or which one you like best, whereas opposed, you know, if you're in a persecuted area, it's probably like, there's the one church and we meet in secret. Um, so you're going to that one and you're just working out your issues, <laughs> whether you like it or not. Um, but, but there's not necessarily anything wrong with looking at your options and saying, you know, where... Where do our skills and our beliefs best fit? But I would say, as I think we're as we dig into theological triage, you will see. Maybe don't make mountains out of molehills. You know, mm. as long as a church is preaching the gospel, they're fulfilling the great commandment: love your neighbor as yourself, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the great commission. You know, go therefore make disciples of all nations. Then you can give them a little grace and disagree on a lot of things. For example, personal preference, but I know people who, you know, travel over half an hour to go to a church because, you know, they see this little area of doctrine exactly the same, or these people are just a little closer inside my tribe. And, you know, I I can see their point, but I would say... Man, if that means you have to sacrifice being in your local community and being on mission where you live because you're traveling away to go to church, that's something I would give a lot of thought to and say maybe 
those things are right and good, but maybe those things aren't as important as planting our feet where we are and really trying to grow a church and gospel reach in our own community where we live. I guess I'm thinking as you're you're talking through all of this, I grew up in a Methodist church back home. It was very contemporary uh, and held a lot of the same beliefs that I still hold today and still see in our church. But one thing that uh, I did notice that our church differs with is the idea of uh, women being pastors or in eldership positions. Gotcha. Um, as I was leaving... Uh, uh, I believe there's two women pastors within this church network now. And I, I don't know if that would be one of the hills that I would die on, like leaving that church. Because uh, yeah. I had built a lot of roots there. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I hadn't have moved, I probably still would be going there. Um, that may be something that I'd be thinking through more. Yeah. Um, but that that's an example to me of something that could go. <laughs> I'm, I'm iffy about saying it because... Yeah. Well, we'll get there. So that that one's actually in the notes. Like, we'll talk about it a little bit. But yeah, I, I think that leads to a good point, which is we, you and me, and we as in Christians altogether, may actually disagree on what is a second-order doctrine and what is a third-order doctrine when it comes to level of importance. We really should probably figure out those first-order, those really important ones, things that we can't disagree on or we're, we're kind of walking into heresy, but we may, being different people, hold some things as, you know, more important than others, especially when it comes to, okay, now how does this start to look in worship at my church week in and week out? Mm -hmm. Because then those things start to be more and more important as time goes on and the church grows and you add people. I also just want to say, as we work through these things on the podcast, please don't be offended, Uh, because like we're saying, we are, even Tanner and I have different thoughts and opinions on these doctrines and uh, this theological triage that we're going to be putting things through. Um, So if we say something that just upsets you, please don't take it to heart. We're, we're still working through a lot of this stuff too. um, And we're humans. So, well, and that's the whole point of this podcast is like, Hey, there's some things we can disagree on. And that doesn't have to mean that we can't converse or, can't even be friends or things like that. So all that being said, when we come back from the break, we are going to break down these three levels, first order, second order, and third order doctrines, and give some examples of things that might fall in each. Tanner, you know what that sounded like? Feedback. It did sound like feedback, and that's what we want from you guys. Tanner loves it when I intro our ad breaks. I do. I, this is the only time I wish this were a video podcast so people could see the <laughs> disgust on my face. <laughs> my wife the other day, she goes, yeah, I mean, I, I like the show, the little bit that she's listened to for the record, but uh, I think uh, I think you can tell that you and Glenn don't think each other are funny. <laughs> Sometimes that's funny, though. I said that's the funny part. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> That's the laugh I get when I know that you don't think I'm funny. I thought it was funny. But in, in all seriousness. Yeah. What we want to say is, if you're listening to this, we want to hear your feedback. We don't just want you to hear Glenn's vocal mouth feedback. Maybe we do. 
<laughs> but we do want you guys to reach out to us and tell us what you think about the podcast, about the site, really about anything encompassing Bible and stuff, because we don't have a lot to go off of besides the feedback we give each other. Yeah, I mean, we so we get to see that people are listening, and we even get to see some of you guys rating us on iTunes and things like that, which we really appreciate. We would love for you to give us a five-star rating and tell us there why you love the show. But also, that's relatively little in the grand scheme of things, and so it can tend to sometimes feel like you're just shouting <laughs> into the void and not getting anything back. But we wanted to let you know that we would love to to hear from you. And there's a couple of ways you can do that. First way would be emailing us at hello at bibleandstuff.com. You can send us an email saying, hey, I really enjoyed that you guys talked about this or you did this thing or the complete opposite. We want the negative feedback too. We want to know, hey, you said something that just... mm, or I do think it's bad that you don't think each other are funny. Yes. <laughs> we want to know that stuff. Uh, so one way would be through email. Another one would be just message us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and you can direct message us on any of those things. And then the last way is something that Tanner already mentioned. You can leave ratings and reviews. Those aren't bad, but we want to know what you like about the show. Leave some comments alongside those reviews so that... We can do everything that we can to make this show better. Thanks, guys. All right, let's hop back into this. So before we took the ad break, we were talking about how we're going to be talking through all of these theological triages. We have three different tiers that we're going to focus on. Yeah, so Al describes three levels, three tiers of where he thinks things should fall. Some people add more, but uh, I think these are a good place to start. And specifically, let's start with first things first, uh, what we're going to call first order doctrines. And these are things that really all Christians should agree on. So if you call yourself a Christian, this is kind of the basis of our faith. These are kind of the essentials and really the basics of things that Christians believe. All right, so first order doctrines, things that all Christians should agree upon. Hit me with it. Well, so you should probably agree on things like there's only one God, Jesus is the Son of God, really the Trinity all together. <laughs> you should um, probably agree on the fact that Jesus was fully God and fully man. You should agree with the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. Those are pretty essential as Christians. And then other things like justification by grace through faith alone, not by works or anything else. These things that we really, as you said earlier, kind of hold with closed fists. Those are all first order doctrines. And if we disagree on these things, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah, and at most churches that you attend, you're probably going to see them all agreeing on this, but there will be off chances that they don't. There will be ones that uh, tweak it a little bit, yeah. <laughs> I, and normally, if you uh, if you Google it enough, you'll find one that says, the heresy of blank. <laughs> the first I can think of is the idea of justification by grace through faith alone. There's yeah. there's a lot. Of, they may not straight out say this, but there are a lot of churches out there that are very works based. For sure. 
that's the main outlier that I can see from the general ideas that we just listed. I think most churches you go to, most Christian churches that you go to would agree, God the Father, Jesus the Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity. Yeah, you will Those you will find ones. you will find some weird beliefs when it comes to that. People may call them interpretations of mm. how they view the Trinity, things like modalism, which is, you know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all the same. It's just God wearing a different mask or changing his role for that point in history and that is one of the things that would be labeled as a heresy. And so, uh Generally, when you're throwing around the H word, <laughs> it's a big deal. Uh, and like you said, you will run into churches that are probably more workspace. But I've noticed even the ones that do lean that way tend to be very careful to not quite question your salvation on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? They'll say, well, you really should be doing this or so on and so forth. But most of them will stop short of bringing it all the way to you're not justified. So now, not too long ago, we actually had a podcast on authority of the Bible, talking about inerrancy and all these different things. Would that be considered a first-order doctrine? I would put it there, yeah. The, I mean, those two words mean slightly different things. Authority, 100%, I think, has to be in first-order doctrines, because if we're not looking to the Bible to teach us and correct us and rebuke us, then what what are we doing? Um, inerrancy, yeah, man, I, I have a hard time saying that one should go anywhere else. Maybe you could make a slightly better case that you still look to the Bible as authoritative, even though you think it's not inerrant or you know doesn't have any errors. But yeah, I would still tend to keep that up there at the top. So as we were saying earlier, these are things that you're going to find in your church's statement of faith. You're probably, if you pulled up 10 churches' statements of faith, you would find that most of these things are in there. Most churches do agree on these things. And they're normally, when it comes to statements of faith, pretty broad intentionally so that we can make sure we're focusing on what's important, but leave room for some disagreement. But the things that do make it on that list are non-negotiable. All right, so I feel like we have a pretty good understanding then of what first-order doctrines are. Now let's slowly start to make our way down the ladder. Second-order doctrines, what types of things would fall on that list? Yeah, and this is where we might start to offend people, <laughs> which is okay. It, it, you know, At this point in the world, it's kind of hard to avoid offending people. But again, as we said earlier, you might differ on where we put some of these things, but second-order doctrines are things I would say you should probably agree on if you're in the same church. So, you know, we said first order is kind of an all-Christians thing. You know, maybe you include uh, Catholics and Protestants and, you know, all the different denominations in that category. Um, but here you're starting to look at things that, if we're going to go to church together, it makes sense that we probably agree on these things. So, second-order doctrines. What's some examples, you think? Baptisms would be a good example for this, I feel like. Uh, depending on the church that you go to, a wide variety of churches do baptisms, but the style of baptism might be different. I know the church that I grew up in, we had baby baptisms. Yeah. The church that we go to now, it's adult baptisms. We don't do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and... 
you know, we we can say both those groups are probably, you know, Christians, but it would get a little sticky if we tried to do church together because we differ so strongly on an area like that. Sure. And then I, I don't know, I, I feel like kind of what I brought up earlier also fits into this category, the idea of like gender roles in the church. Yeah. Um, so as I was saying, the church I grew up in, this, I don't know, this whole idea wasn't something that I had any, I had given any thought on before yeah. until moving out here uh, and attending several churches that in their statements of faith, this is something that was listed. Yeah. Um, going to a meet with the pastor, this is something that was talked about. Uh, so I could, I could see, again, both churches, Christian, both different schools of thought. Mm-hmm. And like we said, we might disagree on this. I, th- I think I would probably fall a little harder on this than you would based on what we were saying earlier. But I do think it gets sticky if uh, the words you'll hear a lot are complementarian or egalitarian. Complementarian meaning <laughs> men and women are equal in value but have different roles. Generally, complementarians would say a woman cannot be a pastor, based on what the Bible says. Egalitarians are men and women are equal, and they can both do pretty much anything. And those are obviously very shortened versions and understandings of what those two terms mean. But all that to say, it can get a little sticky if you try to practice those side by side. Do we have women pastors? Do we not have women pastors? If we decide to have women pastors, do the people who think that's unbiblical just have to deal with it and vice versa? Uh, And so I think this one does get a little sideways uh, if you don't include it in second order and instead try to say it's not on or we can disagree with it and still worship side by side. And again, doesn't mean that I can't be friends with egalitarians, I can't be friends with a female pastor, but it, it... does mean that, you know, I probably wouldn't want our church to hire a female pastor or things like that based on my understanding of the Bible and specifically 1 Timothy 3. Sure. Yeah. And that's, again, that was something I struggled with coming out here because I grew up in a church that eventually started having female pastors. And in my mind, I think I had the initial thought that, you know, I know these women and they were called to ministry and they're, they're, preaching the gospel, preaching truths that are in that first order um, doctrine. But now as a, it's becoming, I don't know, it wasn't a reality I had to think about before because it's not something that was, I was shown differently. Yeah. If that makes sense. So now I'm, I've been really working through that. And I am kind of in the same school of thought of you now where if I take things like that and say, this is okay, it's not what the Bible says, but this is okay. Then I need to start opening up to other things Yeah. that say the same thing. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's still a struggle because I know those people, but like you're saying, it's not like I'm not going to be friends with these people or, anymore or anything. It's, it's just a different school of thought that I'm processing through now. Yeah. And, and obviously this topic in particular, like we could do, we could spend so much more time on it. We really, uh, don't give us a little bit of grace because we don't have as much time as we would like to to really suss out this whole thing. But all that to say, it probably falls in second order. It probably is something that if we're going to go to the same church, it would be 
important that we agree on. Uh, another example of something that falls in that category is ecclesiology, which is kind of a big word. It essentially just means like how you do church, or, or rather how you structure church. So do we have elders? Do we not have elders? Do we have deacons? Do we not have deacons? How do all those things work? And therefore, if you're talking about structuring the very church that you're in, it, it becomes kind of important that you agree upon them. And so these tend to be the kind of things that you might see in like an elder covenant. So if your church does have elders, some churches on top of their regular membership statement of faith or church covenant, they might have a specific elder covenant and say, for the church, we have this standard, but we we have a little bit of a higher standard for the sake of unity and for the sake of us being all on the same page for the elders. So you might see second order doctrines listed in some things like that. And as we were talking about before, you might see them in a statement of faith, depending on, you know, where they're at on the spectrum. All right. So we've talked through the things all Christians must agree on, the things that churches themselves should probably agree upon, and then the final category we would probably label as not basically non-essentials. You could attend the same church and still disagree on these things, and it, it really wouldn't make, make or break going to that church. Yeah, this is like the, uh, the freedom in Christ category. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like we're free to... <laughs> to maybe view these things a little differently. So you'll see a lot of things that are closer to those second-order doctrines, and then you'll see a whole bunch of things that are pretty small beans comparatively. So some of the bigger ones is eschatology, which is essentially, how's the world going to end? You know, it's uh, is there going to be a rapture? or It's different views on the millennium. If, if you don't know what that means, you probably don't worry about it. <laughs> it's, it's a whole can of worms that we won't open. But that's one. Um, miraculous gifts is one. Do those still happen? Do they, did they stop with the apostles? You know, terms for that are continuationism, meaning they're still going, or <laughs> cessationism, meaning they ceased. But again, there's a whole lot of things that come after that, like should we drink alcohol? Should we sing hymns? Should we sing contemporary songs? These are a lot of things that it's like, yeah, you can be in the same church and disagree on these things. It doesn't affect them that much. Even the worship style one, it's like, hey, you know, I prefer, you know, maybe I prefer newer songs, but I mean, hymns are fine. And sometimes people <laughs> make that a bigger issue than it should be. But generally we would say, don't do that. It's a third order doctrine. It is an open-handed thing. Yeah, looking at that, I mean, we talked about church shopping earlier. Those are the types of things that I don't think should really matter as much to you when you're looking at a church. You should really stay within those first two orders. It's It shouldn't be the hill that you die on when you're searching for a church because you may search forever to get those things lined up. Yeah, a, a lot of these things are preferences. I mean, it's like <laughs> it's like looking for a spouse or someone to date. Like, man, you may have a list that's like 60 things long, but you better decide on what the most important right. ones are because you're not getting them all. Uh, and if you do, really hold out for all of them. You're probably never going to find one. And if you did, you're probably not good enough for <laughs> <laughs> But uh, But yes, a lot of the things that would fall in third order are you know, mostly preference and not something to get in a tizzy over. 
So we've we've really did discussed this already, but we want to dive a little bit deeper into the importance of all of it. Why is it important to know these things? Why is it important to categorize these things the way that Al Mohler has? How does it help us? It does two things. One, it promotes unity. So as we we're talking, you know, if, if you keep doctrines in their place, it becomes a lot easier to say, yeah, we can disagree on this. That's not a big deal. And easier to know when something is an issue that we should take more seriously. So it allows us to not get in a fight over everything. It allows us to say, agree to disagree. You're still my brother in Christ. This is going to be okay. And it also allows us to know when it's a little more serious than that. But also, kind of a secondary, but I think just as helpful aspect to doing theological triage is it helps you not get these out of order. Again, going back to not making a personal preference something that is a must-have, or vice versa, making something a must-have something that's like, not that important to you. It lets you keep first things first and other things after that. Moeller actually does a pretty cool explanation in his article that I thought was helpful where he says, liberalism tends to take first order doctrines, so things that are closed fist, and make them seem like they're just merely third order. Like they're not as important as we make them out to be. You know, these things we believe for thousands of years, maybe we were wrong, so on and so forth. But fundamentalism, which is probably what we've had a lot of experience with, or at least I know I have growing up in the South, is where we take third-order doctrines, things that are really just preference, or there's definitely room for disagreement, and say, no, this has to happen. This is top-tier, no matter what, and become really legalistic about things we probably shouldn't be so legalistic about. Yeah. So um, I guess an example I'm trying to think through is like we talked about worship style being a third order um, category there or third order doctrine. If we care more about the style of worship in the church we go to than the truth that's being preached, yeah, that's probably not healthy. And alcohol is a big one that I saw growing up of people really putting their foot down on saying you shouldn't drink at all. Now, the Bible certainly says you shouldn't be a drunkard, uh, but some people tend to say, you know, no good can come from it. What are you doing? You're crazy. I really think it's sin if you drink at all. And, you know, maybe maybe not. <laughs> maybe yeah. let's not do that. Um which kind of leads me to us closing out here and saying, okay, well, this is nice and all, but like, do we really see this in the Bible? Well, do we? I pulled two verses. Okay. <laughs> that I think do kind of hint at this idea that God certainly doesn't see things as all being on the same plane. He sees some things as more important than others. So the first one is Galatians 1, 6 through 8. And I'm going to paraphrase, but... Essentially, Paul is saying, I'm surprised that you're turning so quickly to a different gospel. Not that there is a different gospel, but there are some people who are distorting the gospel of Christ. And then Paul says, hey, even if an angel or me or anybody preaches a different gospel to you, 
let them be a curse. So kind of like we were just saying, if you're adding things to the gospel, Paul would say, you're getting things on the wrong level here, buddy. The second verse we have is from 1 Corinthians 15, 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, so, but, so on and so forth. But that main point being there, that he was crucified, died, buried, and was raised on that third day. Yeah, and he puts that in the category of first importance. So he says, hey, top tier, <laughs> this is something you don't want to get wrong, which then assumes that there are things of second and third and fourth sure. and lesser importance, but the gospel isn't one of those. So I do think we see this hinted at in the Bible. Uh, I think Moeller is on to something when he laid out this idea, and ultimately I think it's just really helpful as we go about worshiping alongside other Christians, being friends with other Christians, and still disagreeing on some things. Yeah. In general, looking through these things and knowing what your church believes is a healthy thing, uh, and it's going to help you grow as well. I mean, there there may be things in your statements of faith or, like we were talking about earlier, el- elder documentation that maybe you were unaware of or maybe you just don't understand. And we want to encourage you to dig into it, not for the fact that you need to leave a church if you don't agree, again, with everything that they say, but it, it is helpful to you to know what's being taught, what's being preached, and have discussion over that. For sure. And I think, if nothing else, the whole point of this podcast is to be charitable and to be understanding and empathetic in disagreement. So maybe you find something that you think your church has in second tier that's in third or so on and so forth. Approach that with understanding. Approach that with humble questions and not necessarily saying accusations. I I think you got this wrong. So that's all we got. That's the big point. Thanks again for joining us today, guys. As we said before, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter uh, to get updates on what we're doing and new episodes that are coming out. Again, we would love to hear your thoughts on what we're doing here, and we look forward to sharing more of what we learn with you. Definitely. And don't forget, you can always support the show by purchasing some coffee at redbudcoffee.com if you use discount code BOTTLE and stuff. You get 10% off your purchase and you end up with some awesome coffee that helps us keep things going. Thanks again, guys, and we'll catch you later. Peace. The Bible and Stuff podcast is a production of Bible and Stuff. We do more than just podcasts, so if you want to know more about something we've covered on the show, just visit our website at bibleandstuff.com. Our show is hosted by Tanner Britt and Glenn Brand, and our theme music is by The Sing Team. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.